Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All righty, guys, we are live for another episode of the Auto Bid. It is a wonderful, wonderful day to be alive. I want to make sure I'm giving you guys a reminder to um, share this podcast, you know, subscribe to this podcast, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It goes a long, long way, man. Like it, you know, all those engagements definitely does, does, you know, numbers for us as far as getting this podcast out there to people who need to see it. Um, Definitely want to give a shout out to my guy, my brother, Pull Up Tay, on the intro for bringing us in. Um, As always, man, he's doing a great job with his music stuff, man. Make sure you guys go check him out. But, man, Ace, man, we are officially in the offseason, man. The season is over. You know, we're heavy into some offseason transactions, coaching changes, transfers, all type of pandemonium, man. Uh, we're going to dive into all that today on the auto bid. But first, man, Ace, man, how you doing, man? How you feeling today? Doing good, man. Can't complain, you know. I've been, uh, you know, struggling to find things to watch on TV, you know. Got, got, I got a chance to go to the uh, Orioles game yesterday, you know, we watched some baseball. Baseball season is now upon us, man. So, actually, it was my first time over at Camden Yard yesterday. I've been in the Nationals Park a couple of occasions, but I've never been to Camden Yard. So, yesterday was my first time checking out an Orioles baseball game at Camden Yards, man. But, you know, I, I missed turning on my TV at night and seeing, you know, college basketball on, on the television. So, you know, I haven't really been watching too much NBA this year. As you know, we've, we've been kind of locked in on college basketball with all the mid-major stuff and even, obviously, the high-major games that come on all the time. So, I had to start watching some NBA games now, you know, so I can get my basketball fixed. But also excited for the for the baseball season as well, man. So, hopefully, you know, my Nationals or Orioles can go ahead and get to the postseason, man, so we can see a, another magical run, man. But other than that, you know, I've, I've been good, man. Can't complain. Sounds good, man. Definitely glad to hear it, man. So, I mean, let's let's go ahead and recap the season a little bit, man. Obviously, we had, you know, Baylor won that championship. You know, they beat our mid-major darling in the championship, you know, Gonzaga. But we also had a couple other mid-majors that made some runs, man. Obviously, Oral Roberts made it to the Sweet 16. Um, North Chicago made it to the Sweet 16, man. So, I mean, let's let's just talk about this season, man, for mid-majors. Kind of what, what are your lasting thoughts on this season, man? And uh, what do you think, you know, maybe a little bit to, to, to look forward to going into the offseason and maybe next season. Yeah, man. I mean, I wanna, I'm want. i interested to see what's going to happen with Oral Roberts. I mean, you know, obviously we've seen Max Aismas creep himself into the first round of the mock draft after that sensational performance that he put on an NCAA tournament. You know, obviously he was probably, you know, the best player, uh, one of the best players, obviously, uh, in the tournament this year with the performance that, that he put on over us. Ohio State, really every game, he probably averaged 25 points a game. And this is the guy that led the country in scoring during the season, and he – put his name squarely on the map uh, this year in the NCAA tournament. So uh, him and O'Banner both have – I think, I think uh, Aismas is a sophomore. I'm pretty sure O'Banner is a junior. 
Um, so both of those guys can come back to Oral Roberts next year and make another run at it if they want to. Or, you know, H. Smith can, can obviously elect to go to the NBA if he wants to. Or Banner um, probably could test the waters himself as well. Definitely, definitely, I think, should test the waters um, at minimum and see, if, see what his stock is like. And then, obviously, we're going to talk about the transfer portal later. Neither of those guys have entered the transfer portal. Um, but if they were to end the, end the portal, those two would immediately become two of the top probably 10 grad transfers or 10 transfers uh, in the country if they were to enter. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with Oral Roberts. I mean, obviously they were a four seed um, in their conference tournament. You know, they, they, weren't even like they, they were the favorites coming to win the league coming in uh, out of the Summit League. Uh, obviously they're in the league with North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, South Dakota State, all those teams out, out there. Um, and, I mean, they, they came out they came out of that conference tournament and was able to make it run all the way to the Sweet 16, man. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them next year if they can get H. Mr. O'Banner back uh, and potentially make, make another one, you know, um, make another one at, 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 at a, you know, deep 21, Sweet 16, Elite Eight um, type of situation. I, I was surprised that Paul Mills um, didn't end up getting Oklahoma, their head coach. Uh, they ended up obviously uh, getting, grabbing Porter Moser from Lower Chicago. We're going to talk a little bit about these coaching changes a little later on in the episode. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to have their coach back next year, barring anything unforeseen. I don't think, you know, there's any other job that are going to be coming open, uh, you know, this, this late. But, you know, they'll have their coach back and potentially get, get their two two stars back in H. Mason O'Bannon and potentially, you know, make another deep tournament run next year. So I'm, I'm going to be watching, you know, just interested to see what happens with or Roberts, you know, with, with their roster, you know, with there being so much turnover each and every year um, in, in college basketball. I want to see if they can, you know, keep keep the band together and make another run at it, at it next year. Yeah, man, I mean, it's definitely tough, man. We've already seen, you know, Drake, you know, obviously who, who was one of the mid-major darlings this year, who's one of the best players to, to transfer portal. He's obviously going to be going to Kansas. Um, and, I mean, I don't know, man. You know, I, I would hate to see um, Or Roberts, you know, lose Ace-Miss, uh, or O'Banner to the portal, man. I think that, you know, it's something to be said about what they were able to do, you know, and, and putting themselves, you know, on that NBA drive radar in the tournament. You know, I think another storyline, and we mentioned this last week with, with um, Tony Skin, was the Baylor, you know, Baylor team and um, how they built that team, you know, through transfers. And obviously, you know, Davion Mitchell being a transfer, on um, the big fella that transferred from UNLV, Macy O.T. coming from UNC Asheville. I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. Adam Flagler with a transfer from um, Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, Presbyterian. So, I mean, um, I mean, they had a lot of guys, man, that transferred, man, to, to different schools. I remember a couple years ago, Texas Tech, you know, they had Matt Mooney, who was a grad transfer, Tariq Owens, who was a grad transfer, both in their starting lineup, and they made it all the way to the National Championship game. You know, so I think it's becoming more and more evident, man, that if you want to win in college basketball, you're going to have to play the transfer game. Um and uh, it's we, we we've already gotten to a fast start, you know, in that you know in that aspect, man. A lot of teams are making moves. A lot of players are making moves, man. So I mean, what have been your thoughts thus far on the transfer portal? Yeah, the portal has been absolutely insane, which we knew was going to be. The NCAA officially yesterday uh, announced that, that you know transfers are going to be immediately eligible, which we knew was coming. But the NCAA made it officially official yesterday, um, passing the legislation to give one-time transfers. Um, immediate eligibility, man, but the portal was absolutely insane. I mean, it's, it's probably easier to talk about who's not in the portal, you know, when we talk about like, guys like O'Banner and Max Aismith, and it's to, to think about who is in the portal because, I mean, there's schools with five, six, seven, eight, even nine guys in the portal. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how many guys um, are in the portal at this point in time, man. I mean, 
I think it, we're we're with you know, the season. I thought I thought that we could we could you know get up to two thousand names. I, I don't even know what the count is at now. I would assume it's probably about fourteen hundred. Um, I know verbal commitments is, is tracking it, but I mean it, it's been unbelievable to see the amount of guys that. And even I think one thing that's that surprised me most about the portal is that you know we're seeing a lot of guys that were you know number one options on their team like. 18, 19 points per, per game scores. A guy like Kellen Grady, who who scored over 2,000 points at Davidson, was one of the best players in in the A10, probably in the country. Honestly, um, you know, th- this year he, like I said, scored over 2,000 points, um, and he's in the portal. And obviously, well, now he's coming to Kentucky. He's going to be a be a he'd be rocking Kentucky blue uh, next year uh, at Rupp Arena. But you know, guys like him and Marcus Carr, one of the best players in the country. Uh, he's, you know, ESPN put up misses more than they had. Marcus Carr is the number one transfer in the country. Uh, Kellen Grady, I think, believe it like eight or nine on, on that list. But, I mean, those are two of the best players in the country and guys like that. You know, Walker Kessler from North Carolina, he's obviously a younger guy. But, I mean, guys that had lead roles, you know, at their schools, um, I like in the transfer, man. So, I think that that's probably been the most surprising thing um, to me to, has been the amount of guys that, you know, have had great run, great careers. Um, and I'd like to go to enter the portal and take that fifth-year eligibility um, elsewhere. So I think that's probably been the thing that, that surprised me the most uh, thus far with the portal. Yeah, nah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting story, man. I think, you know, I think we're seeing more and more now, man, that it doesn't really matter where you go. You know, if, if you're putting up numbers and you're, you know, producing, you know, the NBA will find you, man. You'll definitely have those opportunities. As you guys know, man, we, we talked about this at length on this podcast that, that – um, Team like College of Charleston under Earl Grant, who was one of the coaching changes who's now at BC. I mean, they had three NBA guys on their team. You know, Joe Cheely, Grant Riller, and um, Jarrell Brantley all made the NBA from a, from a, a major program, man. None of those guys really, you know, um, I mean, they all stayed. None of those guys transferred up. And they had the opportunity. They all went to the NCAA tournament, you know, and, um, you know, they, 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 they stayed there, man. We've seen a plethora of guys, man. Obviously, last year, Chris Clemens, nation's leading scorer. You know, he didn't get drafted, you know, but made summer league, grinding it out in training camp, and he ended up making the Rockets roster, obviously, before he um, tore his Achilles, you know. So, I mean, I think that there's a path for guys that decide to stay at these small schools and just kill it. You know, I think you're going to get what you want, you know. But I think for guys like, for example, Kellen Grady, man, I mean, I think he's just done everything you can do, man. Like you mentioned, you know, he scored over 2,000 points at Davidson. He's in a, I want to say he's in the top five or top six all-time scoring list. Davidson's had some buckets. Obviously, Steph Curry, Peyton Aldridge, Jack Gibbs, to, to say the least, it's a recent memory. But I want to say he's in the top five or six um, in scoring at Davidson all-time. It's crazy that you, you do score 2,000, not even be close to the all-time leader score at your school, you know, but – um, I think he's, he, he did all, all he, all he can, can, can do there, man. I know he's trying to, you know, make it to the NBA. Steph Curry is somebody who he really looks up to and kind of inspires to be like. So, um, obviously, when you score 2,000 points somewhere, he probably wants to be able to showcase him on a, on a higher level and shoot. After Kentucky's the year this year, man, I think, you know, they could use a guy like him because they quite simply just weren't, weren't very good this year. So, you know, they could probably use him, man. I mean, even it's weird, man, like a guy like Daryl Morsell at Maryland, you know, who – Four-year guy, 100 career starts at Maryland. You know, 100 starts, defensive player of the year, dollar-point score. And he says he's going to enter the draft, you know, or, or the portal. You know, he, he might come back. But, you know, it's just interesting, man, to see, you know, um, guys like that, man, that have been like mainstays at their school, man. Fast Russell, you know, face of URI for the last 
two years, you know, was on those seasons with Jared Terrell and Stan Robinson. You know, that went to NCAA tournament, man, you know, when he was an underclassman, um, hitting the portal, you know, transfer. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to see them, but I think guys like that, man, they're really just trying to give themselves the best chance to um, make it to the, to the NBA. You know, I think, you know, that that's really what it comes down to for those guys. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit less of a risk for those guys because at the end of the day, scouts can kind of see what they what they've done already. You can't really erase two thousand points from your resume, you know. And uh, I think you know it's I think those guys will be able to kind of fit in a little better. Like we've seen, you know, Carlick Jones, for example, go from Rutgers and do right away at Louisville. But Radford. I think it's also I'm mean, sorry at Radford um, and do it right away at Louisville. But I mean, I think it's tough um, because you have guys like Tyson Walker, for example. who's 18 a game at Northeastern, now he's going to Michigan State. I mean, that's a hell of a jump. You know, so it's like you definitely don't want to see a dip in your production that's going to hurt your, your, your draft stock or anything like that, man. So um, it'll be interesting to, to, to see, man. But, you know, I respect everyone's decision. At the end of the day, man, I think uh, to each his own, you know, as long as everybody reaches, you know, what their end goal is. At the end of the day, you know, I think that there's, you know, multiple ways to kind of go ahead and do that. You know, for sure, man. Speaking of Tyson Walker, I'm looking at this, transfer list and, and Borzano asked him is a 31 31st ranked transfer and uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna tell him I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to hit up hit up Jeff and, uh, and, and give him a little talking to because uh there's some guys on this list that he definitely is ahead of but I think we're gonna revisit this list this time next year we told you we told you we told you about this earlier in, in this podcast season Tyson Walker remember the name I think there's a high high chance that this time next year we're gonna see his name on draft boards uh he's a guy that Average 18, almost 19 points a game uh, at Northeast, almost five assists this year with Defensive Player of the Year in the CAA. And I think he he, he could have, he should have probably won Player of the Year in the CAA. Obviously, Matt Walker uh, had a great year um, at JMU. Matt Lewis, I'm sorry, Matt, Matt, Matt Lewis had a great year at JMU. Um, but Tyson Walker is absolutely, I mean, this dude is spectacular. And I can't wait for guys to see him next year at Michigan State because at, at Northeastern, obviously, he got lost. You know, it, it just, being, being at a small school in the CAA, which I have no idea how he ended up in the CAA. But, you know, he's going to play for Tom Izzo at Michigan State, man. I absolutely cannot wait to watch him. Hopefully, we can get some fans at Xfinity next year so we can go with me when we go and cover those games, man. I can see this guy, again, uh, in person in, in the Big Ten, man, because the way he did Towson – when me and you were there that, that one day, Drew, was, was probably one of the most spectacular performances that I've ever seen in person in, in a college basketball game. Yeah, man. Uh, talk about spectacular array of moves. You know, we talk about having an extensive bag. You know, he had a, he has an extensive bag. And, you know, these, these come from two guys who watched my guy, Cameron Young, school 55. You know, and I think that was a spectacular performance as well. You know, the thing he was able to do and, uh, you know, carry us to that win at Siena what, two, three years ago, man. But I think Tyson Walker, the thing that stuck out that day was just the way he was scoring. Like, I mean, I'm talking about threes off the dribble, step backs at the rim, and ones, mid-range, floaters, left-hand finishes, right hand. I mean, he has everything. So, uh, I think that's what stuck out. Then he went and, you know, put 27 on UNC at UNC uh, to solidify, like, yeah, like he can do this at any level. But, you know, for me, man, I want to pivot a little bit because I want to talk about what I think has been the most um, interesting storyline with the transfer market thus far, man. And um, I'll highlight three uh, scenarios, man. And it's been guys, and we talked about this a little bit last year during our Coach's Corner. We asked our coaches, man, what is going to be the implications of this coronavirus pandemic and on recruiting, right, and not being able to take visits, not being able to really go out and see these schools that all these guys are committing to, man. And, you know, I want to highlight 
uh, three transfers, Kevin Marfo, Elijah Olani, and uh, Demetrio Vaughn, who were guys that all into the portal last year from, you know, mid-major schools, transfer up to the Power 5 level, and are now returning to the mid-major level at the same school that they left. So Kevin Marfo obviously was the number one rebounder in the country last year, um, was a double-double machine, transferred from Quinnipiac to Texas A&M, and is now going back to Quinnipiac. Demetrio Vaughn uh, left Ryder to go to Ole Miss, and is now back at Ryder. And then Elijah Alani obviously left Stony Brook to go to Miami, and is now back at Stony Brook. And I think the one that surprised me the most was probably Elijah Alani because – you know, he averaged double figures at Miami. He was a starter on that team, man. In the ACC, you know, he averaged double figures. I'm thinking if I'm him, I'm going pro. You know, I'm, I'm going to, to make some money, man. But he likes to come back to Stony Brook where the previous year he averaged 18 points per game, you know. So I want to get your thoughts on, on that, man. Obviously, um, you know, guys like Kevin Marfoy and Demetrio Vaughn kind of makes a little bit more sense because they didn't really have the best years, you know, at the power five level in the SEC. And they elected to, you know, come back to kind of more familiar pastors to maybe make another run at it. But, you know, it's definitely interesting to see these guys who are coming back to the mid-major level after going up, up to that power five level, man. I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah, man, I think that's been that's been the the, the, the most, you know, probably just bizarre thing that I've seen. I, I'll say, I won't, I won't say bizarre, but I mean, it's just crazy to see like, like I, I, I do want to, I want to, I want to applaud some of these coaches for not having the ego guys. We talked to Coach Gary last year. At Towson, he was a guy that, that took a guy in Zane Martin. Zane Martin was a guy who averaged, what, 18 points a game as a sophomore at Towson, left to go to New Mexico, and scary what the back. He said, like, you know, we, we, we had to talk some things out. We had to hash some things out. And started talking to Kevin Marfa, he said kind of a similar thing where, you know, him and, you know, Baker Dunley, we had, had to get on the phone and, and really hash some things out, you know, uh, and make sure that they're both on the same page about the expectations, you know, coming back for that, for that you know, fifth year, sixth year, I don't know, Kevin, I guess for, the, for that extra year of eligibility. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of these coaches, a lot of times will have egos, man, if, if you leave one time. Some coaches won't accept you back. Like, you know, you left once, you're not going to come back now. But, you know, I think a lot of coaches are saying, you know what, man, this guy's a pretty good player for us. So, you know, we've seen what he can do before. So, you know, why not take him back? And I think a guy like Elijah Lani, I mean, I'm with you, Drew. I mean, you average basically 11, point, 11 and 5 in the ACC. I'm going to get paid. I mean, I mean, I'm not going back to Stony Brook and to play in the American East where I've already averaged 18 points a game. I mean, if I'm him. I'm either going to get paid, or I'm, he could have probably went to another high major, or, or you know. But I mean, I, like I said, if I'm him, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to get my get my money. Um, same thing with a guy like with a guy like, guy like, guy like a Rich Kelly. Rich Kelly gonna be at UMass, but even with with Rich, at least he's going to to UMass in the A10. You know, so it's like he's not he's not going back to the, to the American East where where you know Alani is gonna gonna be. So now he's gonna have to go there and really average 20. 25, you know, there if, if he wants to, to um, you know, to, to really be able to go and get paid. But, you know, I, I don't think we've seen, we've seen the end of guys going back to their schools. I think, I think, I think, you know, a guy like a Ray Salade might be going back to Monmouth. You know what I mean? With the way, well, his season went at DePaul, you know, we, we know, you know, King Rice could probably use him, especially if, if uh, Deion Hammond elects, elects to leave. Um, obviously, we've seen Pat, George Pappas is, is in the transfer portal. Um, so I mean, sure, I, 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 I'm sure uh, King Rice would welcome Ray Salonay back if he wanted to come. You know, I, I, I don't know why he left. I don't know if there was any, you know, behavioral or any off-court things that played into that. But if it was a, strictly a basketball decision, if I'm if I'm King Rice, why not welcome Ray Salonay back? You know, you get to see Ray Salonay, Kevin Marfo, and Demencio Vaughn all returning to the MAC. You know, so 
we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, uh, and we've been speaking of the knack and transfers, and uh, uh, probably the biggest name in the portal right now is Jalen Pickett, who, who elects to leave Siena um, after obviously having two two-time first-team All-Mac selection, former player of the year, rookie of the year in the MAC. Um, he's electing the leads. So it's going to be interesting to see where he's going to end up where he's going to end up landing. Um, I, I had a high major coach uh, actually text me about Jalen Pickett the other day, just kind of trying to get, get gauge, gauge, get a gauge on, you know, his game and, and where, you know, he could possibly fit in. Um, it was a big East, the big East coach. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens, man. I, I don't already know. Um, the, I mean, obviously you know, Manny Camper elected in the end of the draft and Jordan King also like, like to leave Siena. Siena's going to be looking to replace their top three scores now with the departure of those guys, man. So, and then, oh, oh of course, you know, Rick Pitino over at Iona is, you know, only the, the you know, he, he added uh, Tyson Jolly, a guy from the SNU transfer, former Baylor commit. We saw him play at Elevate. We were, you know, back at Putnam Science Academy back, you know, in, in the good old days, you know, 2015, um, playing at the National Prep Showcase, man. So, He's going to continue to stockpile talent. Obviously, they had the rookie of the year, and Nelly Jr. Joseph, he's going to be coming back. Um, so, man, Iona's probably going to be looking to win their – potentially their sixth straight MAC tournament next year, man. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, what happens in the MAC, man. But I'm sure uh, to kind of pivot back to what the original conversation was, you know, if, if Ray Sade could, could come back to Mammoth, I'm sure King Rice would welcome that to get those Mammoth Hawks back in the discussion uh, toward the top of the MAC as well. No, for sure, man. I mean, now we talked to man. We have, you know, the return of the Mac, you know, with, with a couple guys, man. But um, I mean, Sienna already, you know, has tried to start that retool process. They were able to secure a commitment from Anthony Gaines, um, a, a Northwestern transfer. Obviously, you know, um, you know, Quinnipiac was able to get a Northwestern guy in Aaron Falzon a couple years ago. Um, Sienna was able to also tap Elijah Burns from Notre Dame, um, what was that, two years ago? So, I mean, Definitely, you're going to have to bring in guys like that. I mean, Ended Gaines is a solid, you know, rotational guy, you know, full Northwestern in the Big Ten, you know, played a lot of minutes, has a lot of experience. So I think he'll definitely be able to come in and, you know, help the Saints. He's going to be coming back home, you know, but it's crazy, man. I think for a guy like Pickett, you know, he's a guy who could have entered the draft after his freshman year. I mean, I think he did enter the draft, didn't he? I think he, I think he did, did enter the draft. Yeah. Um, and he obviously, he liked to, to come back, man. And obviously, I think his stock took a little bit of a hit this year after balanced some, some injuries. So I'm sure he's going to be looking for a program that's going to kind of allow him to kind of get back on that NBA radar and, you know, really showcase his game, man. Obviously, we all know what he can do, you know, with, with his, you know, pick and roll play. He's a big guard, can see over the defense, you know, can, can, can get downhill, can shoot it. You know, so I think, you know, with the right school, um, I think he will have opportunity to kind of really showcase his full skill set. But that's definitely a big, big-time loss for Siena and a big-time loss, you know, for the Mac. You know, for sure, man. Um, it be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I personally don't know if he's if he's an everyday, like, um, impact. Like, like so the, the coach that texted me was wondering if, you, if, he, if he was, you know, could come in and be, like, a lead guy in the Big East. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I, th- I think he could definitely play, play at a high major, but I think he's more of a facilitator, you know, a guy that can set, set the table for everybody. But I don't, I don't know if he can come in there and be a guy that's going to be getting 16, 17 points a game at, at a high major. Because that's, that's not where he's getting. He wasn't even doing that in the back. You know, when he was winning player of the years, he was, he was averaging 15, 6, 7 assists, something like that. But, you know, I, I, I like his game, man. He's a, he's a big guard, can, can, can see the floor, has great pace to his game. And is, is really good at ball screen, so I don't think I'm interested to see where where he ends up landing, man. But you know, uh, I, to pivot again, um, coaching carousel in college basketball this year has been absolutely crazy. Um, you know, a couple months ago we didn't think that it was going to look the way it does right now with obviously UNC coming open and Oklahoma with Lon Kruger retiring. Um, 
obviously, you know, kudos cool to Roy Williams at North Carolina, Carolina on a great career. You know, him retiring at North Carolina definitely shook the game up. As well as Lon Kruger retiring Oklahoma, you had Arizona making a move on Sean Miller and hiring his Gonzaga assistant Tommy Lloyd, which I think is, a, is, an, is an outstanding move, outstanding hire for that program. Obviously, had some other guys in the mix, such as Miles Simon and, and Damon Stoudemire, both Arizona alumni, but ended up uh, hiring Tommy Lloyd, the longtime Gonzaga coach in waiting. Um, and that, I think which was an interesting move for him because he had signed, sealed, delivered in his contract that he was going to be the next head coach of Gonzaga. Um, when Mark Few retired, but, you know, he elects to go and, and take over an Arizona program that, you know, has had a few, you know, down years, uh, obviously with the NCAA stuff um, and, and having the tournament ban this year. So, going to be looking to get that program back on the uptick. But I want to talk about a few local jobs. Obviously, we mentioned also before we talk about the local job, Porter Moser um, leaving Lola Chicago and, and replacing Lon Kruger at Oklahoma. Um, I was going to be interested to see what happens. Um with that move with Porter Moser um, taking over the Oklahoma situation. Um, but I want to talk about, like I said, two, two local jobs. And the first one is George Mason. Obviously, they were able to hire Kim English, who we talked about, who we had, we had uh, on, on a couple weeks ago and was able to speak to. And Kim is off, to, off and running in the recruiting trail, man. They, they, they've been able to land a plethora of, of, of impact transfers, um, starting with, excuse me, Deshaun Schwartz uh, from Colorado. I mean, this guy was a guy who was averaging almost 10 points a game um, in the Pac-12 for NCAA tournament team in Colorado. Uh, obviously, Kim coached him because obviously he came from Colorado before coming to Tennessee. Um, and he's coming to George Mason, which was, I mean, ex- extremely, extremely surprising to me because, you know, you, you don't really see a guy, you know, that averaged double figures in the Pac-12 transferring to, to the HM. And, I mean, I mean, if, if he can continue to land guys like this, at George Mason, man, they are going to be toward the top of the A-10 in, in no time, man. They were also able – one of the more underrated guys that they were able to land was um, a guy named Devin Cooper from Moorhead State. Um, second leading scorer, he averaged just under 13 points, five rebounds and two assists um, from Moorhead State this year, who obviously won the, o- the Ohio Valley and was able to get to the tournament. Man, another double-figure scorer on the NCAA tournament team going to be coming to George Mason. Obviously, you get Prince uh, Josh Odoro, excuse me, out of the transfer portal. Obviously, you know, they, they were able – they lost – um, a lot. And obviously, in A.J. Wilson, Jordan Miller, Javon Green, Tyler Kolick, all elected. I mean, let's think about this. They had four guys leaving and transfer high major. And you had, uh, obviously, Javon Green going to South Florida. Then you had A.J. Wilson going to South Carolina, Jordan Miller to Miami, and Tyler Kolick, the A-10 Rookie of the Year, transfers to Marquette. And he's right off the ground. Obviously, Devontae Ticket Gaines, another guy from Tennessee coming to George Mason. And you got, obviously, we mentioned Deshaun Schwartz, I'm um, a Devin Cooper from Moorhead State. And I just saw this morning they got a commit from Australia. Um, I, I haven't really heard, read too much about him. And also they had um, – it was a freshman that committed there to George Mason over – Yeah, it was, um, yeah, yeah. It was, his name is uh, Mohamed Lamine Mbaye. Um, he's he's a guy who went to Colorado Prep. You know, he's a, he went to school out there out there in Colorado. Um, so, I mean, he definitely – you lot of his ties, you know, from Colorado and Tennessee. Um, but, I mean, he committed to George Mason – over Colorado, he had, you know, Louisville was recruiting him, you know, Rutgers. Um, he had looks from Arizona State. I mean, this was a guy who um, had, you know, power five interests, man. Obviously, like I said, Colorado, Rutgers, New Mexico was in the mix there. Um, so, I mean, to get a guy like that, you know, a forward, you know, to come to George Mason over some of those power five schools is also a big time win, man. It's crazy because at his press conference, he said that he had power five guys that were calling his phone to try to get in there at George Mason, man. And, 
I mean, he's definitely shown that he's, you know, he's been able to get those, those guys in the door, man. So you're here to see guys like Tyler Kolick leave, um, guys like Jordan Miller leave, Anthony Wilson Jr., and um, and um, Javon Green. You're here to see guys like that leave, man. But, I mean, it seems like he's, you know, getting getting guys right back into the program, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think George Mason is going to miss a step, man. I think that, you know, this program is going to be back on the national scene sooner rather than later. You know, for sure, man. I think, I think you know, George Mason hit an absolute home run with his high audience talking to AD Brad Edwards uh, after that press conference. He said he thinks Kim English is going to be an NBA head coach one day. I think, you know, with, 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 with how young he is and, you know, the, the just his mannerisms and the way that he's been able to kind of um, hit the ground. I, I, I'm, in, I'm going to be excited to get, to get over to Eagle Bank Arena uh, and see George Mason play this year, man. So kudos to Mason for, 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 for hiring Kim English and kudos obviously to Kim for doing the work early um, and getting out and hitting the recruiter and Chell Hard in his first really week or so, uh, you know, on the job, man. And then the other job that I want to talk about locally is UNBC. Um, UNBC uh, was able to hire Jim Ferry, who me and Drew actually, you know, I, obviously we're familiar with because he coached two Springbrook legends in C.J. Garner and Jamal Lasseware as they were able to win three straight NEC championships, which I don't think, I don't know if that's ever been done in that league. Definitely hasn't been done in a long time. He was able to do it at LIU, um, go, to the, go to the tournament three years in a row there. Um, and then also he coached at Duquesne for a little while. And this year was the interim head coach at Penn State. Uh, obviously, with the, we, we knew what happened with Chambers um, before the year getting, you know, getting put out for, for you know, the racially intensive stuff that he had been saying. And he was able to take over a Penn State program this year. And he, he actually did do a pretty good job, you know, at Penn State, you know, given the circumstances that, that, that he, you know, had to deal with this year. Um, but I will say, man, I think UMBC, um, I, obviously, I think Jim Ferry is a great, great guy, um, great coach. But when I heard the names – of the guys that, that were involved in, uh, in this coaching search, I was a little surprised that he went with Ferry. I've heard, obviously, Howard Isley, um, the great Michigan assistant under under uh, Juwan Howard. He was up for the job. Um, I've heard that you know Mike Jones from Radford was up for the job. Dave Paulson. I even heard that Chris Caputo um, was, was, was amongst the four finalists for the job. Um, and I, I think I mean, we've been talking about George Mason. I mean, I think Paulson would have been a, would have been an interesting name, obviously, with his ties to the area. I mean, we just mentioned, you know, they, they had four guys transfer out there and go high major from George Mason, who were able to finish fifth in the A-10, which I think was extremely – obviously, nobody, you know, I don't think seen it tell them in the top five A-10 team coming into the year. For him to have them in the top five of the A-10 um, was extremely, extremely impressive, in, in my opinion, uh, this year. You know, but also, you know – I, I think Isley would have been a would have been a great great get um, for UNBC. Obviously, he has a reputation as, as a great recruiter. Um, obviously, we've seen what Juwan Howard was able to do with Michigan this year. He, he has some NBA experience. Um, obviously, played at BC um, was a great player there. But I mean, I, I think you know any, even Mike Jones. We've seen what he's been able to do at Radford, been able to get them to the NCAA tournament. Um, obviously, we've seen what he's what he did with Carly Jones there. You know, coach coaches some great players. Um, I think he could even been, been a good hire, but you know it's gonna be interesting to see what, what I think Ferry's gonna have to have an, an exceptional staff here because I think you know obviously being in the DV, you gonna have to be able to recruit uh, the area. So I hope he, he, he gets some guys. As he was talking with Evan Baker, a guy who who you know has area strong strong area ties, takeover guy. Um, you know he, he hopefully um, had some interest. You know 
uh, potentially getting that job. I, I think guys like that, you know, I, I don't want to obviously um, name drop or anything too much, but I think, you know, guys like that have some t- ties to the area, have some ties to take over, Premier, some of the AU, AU teams over here, the Matt DePaul Six. I think he's going to have to have a heck of a, heck of a staff um, in order to, to be to, – to get UBC to a place where obviously Odom has had it o- over the past few years, man. So, um, obviously, room for him, you know, obviously, you know, um, he talked on the presser about, you know, his, his relationship that he has, you know, in this area. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, how the UMBC has been able to get that program to a respectable place uh, over the past few years. Obviously they had that historic upset 16 over one where they beat Virginia. And then this year, winning the regular season in the American East, the program is at a place now where people, people know, you know, UMBC, nobody's, you know, asking who was UMBC or, you know, anything like, anything like that anymore. So um, definitely want to, want to see that program continue to be relevant um, in the area. Not for sure, man. I mean, UMBC is definitely, you know, a household name. It's also a great academic school, so you can recruit guys to there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, being right here in the DMV, you got Baltimore right here, you can recruit you. So, um, I mean, hey, it, it, it's tough, you know, but it's not, you know, it's, it's it's a good problem to have. You know, so I think he is in a place where he can do it. You know, I think his staff would be very imperative. But, I mean, let's talk about the, the coach that left UMBC, man. Obviously, Ryan Odom. Obviously, he left UMBC and is now going to be going to Utah State which has become one of the premier mid-major programs out West. You know, obviously in the Mountain West, they've been able to um, make two tournament runs in the last three years. Would have been three. Obviously, they won the, they won the Mountain West Conference, I believe, um, last year or the year before last. Um, obviously, they would have been a tournament team last year if COVID would not have ended the season. They get back to the tournament this year. Um, and their coach elects to head to Utah, you know, right, right down the road and, you know, bring in Ryan Odom. You know, Ryan Odom, obviously, you know, Asians did a great job of, Mentioned that he may be able to do at UMBC, man. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be in the mix uh, for the Wake Forest job last year. I heard his name was floating around there. Uh, he's been his been thrown around for a couple of high major jobs. Let's take this one at, at Utah State, which I mean, if it does a good job, it's definitely going to land him a power five job later down the line. But he takes Utah State, brings his whole staff, um, all of his teams from UMBC. I come with him over to Utah State, which I think is a commendable, commendable thing to do. And he also is bringing uh, Brandon Horvath with him, who just committed to Utah State yesterday uh, from UMBC. Obviously, a guy with a very versatile forward, has great size to shoot it. And um, I think he's going to be, you know, a good fit down there in the in the Mountain West, you know. So um, it'll be interesting to see, man, you, uh, what, what he can do, obviously, out there at Utah State. You know, obviously, with you know, UMBC you know, being so far away, we'll see if he can, you know, establish some ties out there excuse me, out there on the West Coast and kind of keep that program, you know, where it's been able to get itself to. You know, for sure. I, I, it's always interesting to see what happens with the rest of the UBC players because they have four of their top five scores in the transfer portal. Obviously, Keandre Kennedy, Brandon Horvath, RJ Adelrock, and Darnell Rogers, um, all elected to enter the transfer portal. Obviously, Brandon Horvath has already committed to Utah State. It's interesting to see what happens with RJ Adelrock um, see if he elects to, to you know, potentially go to Utah State as well. You know, I, I think he can definitely – I think he definitely did be – be a great ad uh, to Utah State. He, he's a guy, first team All American East selection. Uh, he was a leading scorer this year. Uh, very versatile. Can put on the floor. Can shoot it. Um, can, can 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 play in ball screens or can 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 set ball screen and play in screening action. Man, I mean, he's he's a guy similar to Horvath that can can, can, can stretch the floor. Bigger bigger forward. Um, I think he'd be a good addition to Utah State as well, man. So we'll see what happens with that. But also, I'm, I'm sure Jim Ferry gonna be on his phone trying to get him to stay at UMBC. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with, with UMBC and with RJ Adelrock and with Donnell Rogers as well. Obviously, he was you know one of the you know 
obviously has uh, been, what is he, like five, three, five, four, something like that. I mean, he's one of the probably the smallest guard in the country. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the smallest guard in the country, but an electric scorer, can shoot it, can, can get in the paint, can finish. Um, and obviously, Keandre Kennedy was a solid piece for them off the bench this year. Um, all four of those guys, you know, are, are probably going to be – Jim Ferry probably going to be on the phone with well, three of those guys. Um, Rodgers, RJ Adderock, Keandre Kennedy, trying to get those guys to come back to UNBC. But, you know, it's it interesting to see what happened with those guys uh, as well because if all four of those guys elect to transfer, then uh, Ferry has some work to do uh, hitting, their, hitting the recruiting trail uh, early um, to kind of get that program – uh, back to where, where it's been the last few years. Now, for sure, man. I mean, definitely has work cut out for him, for sure, man. But it was a fun season, man, this year, man, from the mid-major ranks. You know, um, I, I'm looking forward to the offseason, you know, seeing where a couple of these guys land on the transfer portal. Um, I think next year is going to – it's setting up to be, you know, a, a fun year, man. Obviously, obviously, we know what the transfer portal is, you know, going to be. We know that these one-time transfers, man, going to be a lot of, you know – exchanges, you know, uh, as you as you say, man. So, you know, we'll see what happens, man. Um, that's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Auto Bid. Um, again, make sure you guys are taking the time out to subscribe to this podcast, like this podcast, share this podcast. It definitely goes a long way. And um, engage with us too, man. I mean, if you, if you have anything that you guys would like us to talk about on this podcast or want more information on, um, why don't you just, you know, definitely hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram, let us know what you guys would like us to talk about, man, and we will do our best, you know, to get that out to you guys whenever we can. For sure, man. Like Drew said, man, this is going to be it. For this episode of the Auto Bids, we're going to let my guy pull up Tay, take us out with some music. Make sure you guys are listening to my guy's music. It's out on all platforms, man. Make sure you guys are cranking that in your headphones, man. Until next week, this has been another episode of the Auto Bids. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. You beating on me? I can tell. It's time to get a check, boy. You want to sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? Discussion, what we talk about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.